Today from Daniel chapter 9, and continuing with and finishing up today on our series of prayer, this is a prayer that changed the nation. This is a prayer that Daniel prayed and for his country that was under siege. His country that was in prison, they were slaves, and, and Daniel prayed. Daniel started out in the prayer that, in verse 4, it says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-aspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keeps his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, turned away from your commandments and your ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings, our leaders, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Then look over at verse 17. This is kind of what, you know, we call the meat of it. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, our God... Hear the prayer and petitions of your servant. Make your face shine on the desolate structure or sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that bears your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Father, this morning as we read Daniel's words and as we look around in our our homes, our country, our states, our counties, our nation, Lord, Father, we can see all this living out right before our very eyes today, Lord. Father, we can see the wicked acts that we do. We can see the wicked acts of others. Father, we can see the turning a deaf ear to your word and to your guidance. Father, this morning we ask that our hearts and our ears and our eyes be open, Lord, to hear your word, receive your word, and Father, act on your word. Father, we understand what Daniel was praying because we've been there. Father, we understand what Daniel was asking because, Lord, we've asked. Father, we just pray and ask this morning that our hearts would receive that, Lord, and be blessed this morning to know again, Father, you're our King, our Lord, and our Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's take a look at, me, for, at Daniel's background. And, and to give you a background story as to what brought Daniel to pray this prayer. Now, now Daniel was captured when the, the entire nation of Judah was captured. And King Nebuchadnezzar told his chief, chief man in charge of everything, go out and find me some of these men that look like they're intelligent and bring them in so we can train them 
We'll train them in our language. We'll train them in our arts. We'll train them in how to act and how to dress and how to walk, how to talk and everything. And, and we'll kind of be a liaison between us and them. That they can go back to their people and they'll know what we're talking about, but yet they can go back and, and talk to the people that we've captured. Now, Daniel bore the burden that I bear. The king said, find some good-looking folks that look like they're intelligent. And I said, look. Didn't say was. So they got Daniel, and they got some more folks, and they brought them all in there. And, and the, eunuch, the eunuch that was in charge of them said, okay, here's what it is. The king has said, teach you what it is. Now, my wife and my daughter and my daughter-in-law and, and a few of the teachers are sitting around the room are going to cringe, but uh, learn them how to do what they need to do. You know, somebody thought it was a bright idea to make me administrator over the Facebook page here, and I told them, did y'all ever see me writ anything? And, and people looked at me kind of funny, like, writ? <laughs> That's what I did. I writ it down. But, oh, but Daniel and all of these people were brought in, and the king said, I want them to be the very best, so I'm going to give them a portion out of my private stock, out of my food, out of my wine, out of my everything. I'm going to give it to them. And Daniel come in, and he told him, we don't want that. We don't want to be defiled. We don't want to be bringing and putting stuff in us that is not what our God wants us to have. And, and the guy looked at him and said, now, Daniel, if you don't eat this stuff and you don't drink this and you don't look, you're going to start to look bad. You're going to thin out and you're going to look awful and terrible. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Daniel said, no, bring me the vegetarian diet and I'll prove to you you're wrong. And so for 10 days, Daniel and his men that followed after him were fed vegetables and they drank water and, and, and they, they ate stuff that, uh, you know, you feed animals. You know, the, the green leafy stuff. And, and then they didn't eat the steak and they didn't eat the sausage and they didn't eat the, oh, oh they didn't eat the bacon. <laughs> My heart hurts, they didn't eat that. But after 10 days, they, they brought them back in and they started looking at them. And Daniel and his men looked better than the ones that were eating all the other stuff. I hope my wife was distracted in that conversation. But they looked better because God was taking care of them. So these men that followed Daniel, there was three of them in particular. And I didn't talk to Keith this week about songs. I didn't talk to Brenda about songs. You know, but these songs just seem to go right along. Three of the men that followed Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they followed God to the point that even when they prayed, they said, if he doesn't act the way we want him to, we're still going to follow him. So when the king made the decree that everybody would bow down in worship, these men didn't. They said, that's not our God. We're not bowing down. The king's 
man became man, and they were, look, look, look what they're doing over here. Over here. Look. Over here. Watch them. And sure enough, when it was time when the trumpets were blown and the music was made and everything was done and everybody was bowed down, and there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing up. The king said, go get them and bind them and throw them in the fire, but stoke it up even hotter than what it was. It was so hot that the men assigned to go throw them into the pit were burned to death as they were going up. The king walks over and he looks around and and guess what? They had three that they had sent in, but there was four in that fire. And when he brought them out, wasn't even a hair on their head singed. Their clothes didn't smell like smoke but the ropes were all burned off and they came out. And they told him on the way in, they said, all you got to do is bow down. And they said, even if God does not answer our prayers, we're still going to follow him. These were men that Daniel led. These were men that Daniel taught. Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream about a great tower and he couldn't find anybody to tell him what it meant. They finally brought Daniel in because God had given Daniel the the ability to interpret dreams. And the king, after Daniel told him, well, this is what it means. You know, you're going to fall if you don't change and do this and that. And the king said, okay, that's great. We're going to honor Daniel. We're going to praise his God, but them other fellers we're going to kill. And Daniel said, don't kill him. Give them to me. Let me guide them and direct them. Let them follow under me. We find other kings, Darius. We find other kings that Daniel was under in his time on this earth. And Daniel was such an influence on their lives that they turned to Daniel's God. When, when, when Darius was king and he had all these people coming to him and going, You said nobody was to pray, but anybody but your God. But yet Daniel prays three times a day. Morning, noon, and night, Daniel bows down in an open window where everybody can see him and prays. And you said you would feed them to the lions if they disobeyed. He wept, and he got Daniel, and he brought him in, and they bound him, and they put him in with a lion's den. They rolled a stone around in front of it. Now, this sounds familiar if you'll fast forward a little bit. They rolled a stone over in front of the opening to the lion's den, and then they put a seal on it. Not only the king's seal, but he had all of his men come and put their signet in that seal that nobody could break it open and get Daniel out. We'll talk about that seal the first week in... April. But the next morning after the king had fasted and was worried and didn't sleep, ran over and started knocking on that rock and saying, Daniel, are you still alive? And Daniel answered him, yep, I sure am. And the king had that stone moved out and Daniel come walking out because God had shut the mouth of the lions. Have you ever had a time in your life when it felt like that you wish somebody, God would just shut somebody's mouth? So they quit chewing on you and gnawing on you? 
They did. And it was to the point that the king had, Daniel had influenced the king so much that the king went and got all those that accused Daniel and pointed it out and threw them and their families into the pit. And the Bible says before they could get hit the ground, the lions were crushing their bones. These were the men that Daniel influenced. Verse number 18 in chapter 9. Listen then closely, my God, in here. Open your eyes and see our desolation in the city that bears your name. For we are not presenting our petitions. It's the key part right here. We are not presenting our petitions to you by our righteous acts. Daniel didn't go to God and say, because I, I prayed. Daniel didn't go to God and say, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed. Daniel said, not our righteous acts, but your abundance of compassion and grace that we bring this to you. Now this morning, I, I want to ex- just expand on what Daniel actually did. And I told Chris this morning, keep me a clear path. I asked Katie to keep the truck running because some of y'all are not going to like this this morning. And I'm sorry. Before I say what I'm going to say and what I feel like God wants to be said this morning, I want you to know I love you. And I love what you've done. And I love your spirits and I love your souls and I love everything about you. But this morning... Ladies of the church, you can listen in, but I want to talk to the men. I want to talk to you men just for a little bit. Why was Daniel so highly sought after and thought of so highly by the kings that had captured his country and were ruling over them? Had respect for Daniel. Men who could have turned their lives around and walked the other way and ate what the king ate, dressed like the king dressed, but they said, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to go with what Daniel's saying. Why Why did Daniel have that effect on these men? God, Daniel had the effect on men because he was an influence and he invested in them and he was there to make sure that future generations knew exactly who God was and where to find him and how to get to him and how to live for him every day. He didn't turn around and say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm ten years older than, that, than those people. I, I can't do that. And he didn't say, Lord, I, I don't care if that flame's hot. Lord, I don't want to roast marshmallows today and it's too hot. for Just, you do it. When the king made the decree and said, don't pray, Daniel said, that's fine for you and your house, but for me, I'm going to pray. Not only am I going to pray once a day, but I'm going to pray three times a day. 
And I'm going to pray for my house. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my country. But I'm going to pray for these men that are going to be leading this community and this country in years to come. Abraham. Abraham wanted a son. And he never had one. And when he was at an old age, God told him, I'm going to give you a son. Now, Katie and I, are not, we're, we're not even close to Abraham and Sarah's age. But I, if I walked in right now and told Katie, God's going to give us a son, she, you know, I'm just telling you, she said, you better learn how to adopt because it ain't going to happen. <laughs> but Abraham, at 99 years old, was still influencing the men under his charge and his children that came along behind him. And women, I'm going to involve you now. In the church, we have emasculated men so bad, they don't want to stand up for what's right. We've made out that if, oh, if you don't cry and you're not sensitive and you're not standing there with lotioned up hands and all this and letting God's Word slide through your fingers, then you're not doing what I want done. Let me give you a hint. It ain't about you and it ain't about me. It's about Him and Him alone. The reason Daniel had the influence over those men was because he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He didn't turn his back and go, well, that's not my, that's not my problem over there. He didn't have men that he looked at and went, mm, I'd, I'd help you, but i got to get home. My, my, my wife wants me to tell her what curtains we need. Or, I, I, I'd love to stay and help you, but I, I've, I, I've got a pedicure appointment and I've got to leave and get to it. Daniel was a man that said, God, what is it you want and where do you want me to do it and what time do you want it done? Again, I'm not mad at anybody this morning. I am just heartbroken that I see a generation of men growing up with no influence. I grew up with men like Raymond Till that would take you out fishing in a pond and talk to you about God. And he would tell you, you want to go swimming? Yeah. Can you swim? No. Well, don't get too far away because I'm not getting my hair wet to get you out. But he talked to you about God and he explained why it was important. Men like Robert Martin that would call you to the house to watch a basketball game. But sit there the whole time you were trying to watch that game and ask you what this verse meant to your life. And carry you and show you what it meant to live out that life. Men like Horace Pankey that we was cutting down a tree one day and we wrapped a tree, a rope around the tree because we didn't want it to fall a certain way and and we're just rednecks. We couldn't figure out how to cut it, so it fell the other way. So we tied a rope around it, and we got over there and started pulling on it. And right, Horace goes, you want to die? What do you mean? 
You're pulling that tree towards you. When it falls, guess where it's going to fall? On you. So he told us how to take that rope, tie it on that tree, wrap it around this tree, go back over here and stand and pull on that rope and make it go that way instead of on top of us. And while he was telling us that, he said, you know, a lot of times in life when you're trying to share your faith, you have to go around the tree and give it a little tug to get it to fall and listen to what you want it to listen to. Man like Ari Baker and Wilson Baker and, and Hermit Holtz and Brother Garber and Brother Powell Wright that they would gather on a Saturday morning to get down in the altar and pray. And you were sitting in that room with them. God tapped you on the shoulder and said, move over. These men want to talk to me. And they didn't bring their burdens and problems to him. They brought the communities and their families. And they were leading and guiding young men and women. They were in their 90s and they were still investing in our children's ministry with men and young boys. To raise up an army to fight for God. I have been in men's conferences and I have sat there and I have gotten so frustrated about hearing about stories and, and, and they're just, oh, I, I, I did this. This is what I did. Oh, and it was so great because I did it. The other day, Katie was telling me about a, a person on the radio that she had heard. And, he, and I believe he was, he was a foreign minister. I don't know what nation. I can't remember. But he was talking about that in America, we use the word commitment. Well, I, I committed to this, or I'm on this committee, or I did. Well, and he said it didn't mean anything. Because when you, when you commit to it, that means you're going to do it. Not God, but you. And I'm here to tell you something this morning, men. Our future generations can't do it if they're looking at us. They've got to start looking at God. Ladies of the church, you've got to start praying for the men. To stand up and do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Amen. I get so tickled at people. And, and, and I, How many of you have ever seen the show Duck Dynasty? Them old fellas down there, beards down here. And, I, know, I, I speak their language. I know what they're talking about. The daddy on the show, he had a group and they were talking to him one day and he said he just gets aggravated or tickled and laughs. When all these young people come to him, oh, we're going to get married. Okay. All right. What are you going to do? We're going to live off love. Yeah, and you're going to starve to death too. Love don't pay. You need to love your wife. You need to love your husband. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't stand for what you believe in and stand on the Word of God and a solid standing on it, it'll never work. Why is this country in the shape that it's in? Why is our communities in the shape they're in? Why is our schools in the shape that they're in? 
because men have quit standing for what is right and let anybody else blow them off course. I feel so sorry for our educators today. My daughter and my daughter-in-law were, were teachers. When I was in school, if I was a phone call made to my house, or, or worse, to my family's place of work, wherever it was, and they had to come to that school where I was at, they walked in that door. They didn't look at the principal. They didn't look at the teacher. They looked straight at me and went, what'd you do? And it didn't matter what my answer was. I didn't ask what they said or they, what did you do? And now they walk in and they blame the teachers and the principals and everybody else because men have failed to stand in, on the Word of God that says it's okay to make your children mine. Amen. Nothing wrong with being a man and standing up and saying this is why I am the way I am because God saved my soul and it's keeping it out of a burning hell. Daniel prayed prayers that kings, even his enemies, knew. Don't mess with that one. Nowadays, we got men that will stand up and say, Oh, I believe. And somebody will say, No, you don't. Well, no, you're right. I don't. And you ask Katie. I call it the Eeyore syndrome. You ever seen Winnie the Pooh? Why? Oh, it's just gonna, something bad going to happen. Might as well let it happen. No. You don't have to be the ER. You can stand up for what is right and stand on God's Word. Today, if one of us, one of us in this room was bound and getting ready to be thrown into a den of, of the lion's den, we'd die before they ever moved the rock. If they bound us up today and said, we're going to throw you in the fire, we'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I believe I can bow down now. We don't stand for anything anymore. Daniel stood for God because he knew would stand for him. When Daniel was thrown in that lion's den... Daniel didn't walk in there going, man, I hope I'm out of here. I, I just... Daniel walked in there going, God, you're going with me. There's a commercial that I, it's a little short commercial. I don't remember what company it's for. but It's got the little bear cub biting the mountain lion. Have y'all seen that one? The mountain lion, the little, the little bear cub, you know, roars and grows, and the mountain lion's coming after it, and it takes a couple of swipes at it, and it Boy, I mean, it just it scares the little cub, and he takes off running, and every now and then he'll stop and growl, and then the, the lion, you're little, I don't care, and keeps going. And he finally gets out on the tree limb, and he's out over the river, and the limb breaks, and he starts floating down the creek, and he, you can see the look on the bear cub's face, and it's like, I got away from him. The way we do a lot of times. Oh, I, I, I'm floating away. And then he looked over, and... and the mountain lion's running down the bank every step with him. And the current changes, and, and he starts going toward the bank. And when he finally washes up on the bank, there's nowhere to go. The mountain lion's got him trapped. 
So he raises up on his hind feet. He raises up and he spreads his arms out and he opens his mouth and this tremendous roar comes out. And he, he looks startled. And so he does it again. And the mountain lion looks and takes off running. And then the camera pans back and there stands Daddy with his arms outspread. And he was roaring. And that lion left. You see, the, the cub was imitating the father who had invested in him and shown him. And, and it's probably the mother, I know. But there the cub was, invested in and knew there was something to do. The problem is today, we don't have anybody standing behind our young men and our young boys roaring like a lion, roaring like that bear was, and helping them, encouraging them, and strengthening them to know if there's somebody after you, they've got to come with me to get you. When Brittany was dating in high school, and she had another friend, Heather, and Hal was... Well, me and Hal was from the same tribe. We, we, we weren't little fellers. And they said, oh, it must be terrible when your guys come up to date because they got to ring the doorbell and your daddy or Hal opens the door. Yep. I wanted them to know. I've grounded this child. I have raised her. We have taught her. She knows. Look at me. I know. Today, we don't have that in our society. Mamas are telling days, oh, just let it go. It'll be all right. And then sit and wonder why they're in the shape that they're in. We've got young men that are going out and they're doing everything in this world. And, and J.D., I love you this morning. Just exactly what you said. They're spring break. Keep them from doing stupid things. Give them something to stand on, something they're grounded in, something that means something, and live it out in front of them. Amen. And again, I'm not mad at anybody. And I don't care if you're 108 years old. You can still stand on God's Word because it's still solid. But you standing on His Word at 108 might have an eight-year-old going, I want to be like that. I want to be the one that is in, has integrity. I want to be the one that people say, when he tells you something, it's the truth. Nobody in this room other than my wife knows him, but a man called Hoyt Bowen. And he would tell you, if you can't give a man your word and they'd believe it, you're not much of a man. In the community that we lived in, if Hoyt Bowen said, I'll see you tomorrow, Hoyt would see you tomorrow. And if he said, I'll bring my tractor over and I'll give you a hand this afternoon, he was there that afternoon with his tractor. And if he said, I, I love that little red-headed lady more than anything in the world, he loved that little red-headed lady. That man's name to me was Papa. That's the reason my grandchildren.
call me Papa. That's the reason my oldest brother's grandchildren called him Papa. Because we were given the example and knew what it was to stand for something and not falter and not waver. And when God commanded it, you did it. My father was pastor of the churches and he would go through and he would always tell us, a lot of things will come and a lot of things will go. Things will fall away. Things will fall out. But God will never leave you or forsake you. And if you stay with God, He'll stay with you. I'm so thankful this morning. I serve. A, I don't care how far you've run away, God. Just come back home. This morning, I, I, again, I'm not mad. But I am heartbroken because I can see our community. I can see young men and boys in this church that need people to invest and guide and direct in them. And we haven't had that. And women, there's some young girls that need the same thing. That need to be invested in. The need to be taught what love really is. We need to teach our boys that love is not a physical thing with a girl and our girls that they don't have to be physical with a boy to feel love. But we don't do that because it's not correct. We need to let them decide what they want. They'll decide it a lot quicker if they've got an example to follow. And they'll stand on it a lot safer if they see it every day. This morning, I, again, I am not mad. But I am I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of my God. I'm not afraid of anything that He could do or say because He said He'd never leave me or forsake me. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of, well, I'll be honest with you. I'm not afraid if you're mad at me and don't want to talk to me when this is over with. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not. What I'm afraid of is that we're going to allow another generation to grow up and not know that there's a God in heaven that they can stand with and be guaranteed that no matter what happens in this world, even if the answer to their prayer is no, He's still able. Even if the prayer is, God, I want this right now, and they don't get it right now, He still loves them. A generation that can stand is a beacon for the next one and the next one, and the next one. Daniel prayed a prayer to save the nation. But Daniel lived out that life prayer every day. That we have something to visually see. Sad part about it is we've got men that don't pray to save the nation. We've got men and women that don't pray to save their own families. 
We've got men and women that don't want to be an influence. It might, it, it might mean that they lose a little bit of time. It might mean they lose a little bit of sleep. It might mean they actually grow. It might mean that they become men like Daniel. Women like Ruth. It might mean they become so obedient that what the world has doesn't influence them and doesn't tempt them. This morning as our singers are getting ready to come and we get ready to close out. This morning, if you want to be that influence, man or woman, either one, the altars are open, and people will meet you here. If they won't meet you here, I'll meet you there. This morning, there may be somebody here that needs to unite with this church so they've got a support group that they can go to and say, I want you to help me. But you want to be a part of this family, this group. If it is, come this morning. Again, I'm not mad at anybody. But I'm afraid if we don't unite and stand and become the influence of what is influencing. Father, this morning as we come to you, we just pray, Lord, that, Father, that we would be the influence that you would want us to be. Father, not the influence that the world has, not the influence that they think we should be, but, Father, the influence of you showing your love and your grace and your mercy but Father standing firm that we don't waver and we don't sway and we're not knocked off our path by every wind that blows but God we stand firmly in your word and on your name Father this morning if someone needs to make that decision to unite with this church Lord or Father even greater still if they need to make the decision to accept you as their Lord and Savior God, we ask, this is the day and the hour. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen.